Hey, this Realm of the Mist podcast is brought to you proudly by the Nurses Guild. Hi, this is Eddie Deason. You're listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall. I was Mandark in Dexter's Laboratory. Ha 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 ha. Hey, what's up, guys? Christopher Stolle back for another Breaking the Fourth Wall, and this time I'm sitting down with stand-up comedian and podcast hoster, Mr. Jeff Dwoskin. I said it right, did I? I you I, did. I, you yeah. did. You did, Chris Stolle. <laughs> That's why I asked before. before. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, how you doing? Good. How are you? It's so glad to be here. All right. Well, look, the way I usually do uh, interviews on this, I don't do the cold question, call and answer uh, that a lot of people do on, on interview shows. I have a couple bullet points. And the first bullet point, knowing that you're a stand-up comedian, I've got to ask, you know, and, and I'll present it to you this way. I can be a funny guy, personally. I could tell jokes in like a bar and get a couple people to chuckle. But what is it that makes a stand-up comedian stand out where they could be in – a room up on stage and be able to connect with a whole audience in, in such a comedic way. Great question. Great question. Um, I'll take it in five parts. No, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> no. Um, 95% of it's confidence. And then the other part of it is you have to be able to create the whole story and context with your words because you're standing in front of strangers. So you can be your fun, the funniest person in the world when you're with your friends, right? You'll say something, you'll go, Penny. And everyone knows you're talking about Penny from high school and that one thing at the party, the, the pool, because someone just splashed, you know, so all the context is there and you can just trigger it with one word, right? Because right. you all have this shared, um, shared background. When you're on stage in front of hundred thousand whatever people these are all strangers to you right so all you have is these common elements life that you're sharing but you have to then kind of set it up you know set when the setup of the joke or the premise or how you're talking about it needs to be in the context where you're bringing everyone into your world so that when you're making a joke you everyone can be a part of it right and then that's what they call them callbacks in the in the in, during a show where you refer something back to something you said earlier in the show and that's sort of building on that concept though within that that moment of time you know at the end you reference a joke you made in the beginning or somebody chris you talk to me and we have some kind of interaction you know and then later on the show i reference it you know then everyone laughs because that's now a shared connection that we all have oh, i'm used to people laughing at me go ahead use me in your show <laughs> <laughs> um what, what made you want to go the uh, stand-up comedy route? Like, uh, was there a particular comedian that inspired you? Or was it something like uh, you were kind of a class clown or constantly annoying your grandmother or something that, that led you down saying, hey, I want to do stand-up? I was not a class clown. I was actually uh, quite quiet uh, in, in school. Uh, very shy, actually. But at work, I was funny. 
and I would get up in front of, you know, we'd have the all, you know, the whole company meetings and I'd be very funny and I would just present. I just, it was just a natural thing that I could do and kind of make fun of things without crossing lines. And it was, you know, funny. And then one of the, one of my earlier entrepreneurial efforts in the, in, in the late nineties was I, I started one of the very first web companies in Michigan, web development companies in Michigan. So not to age myself, but, and so one of the people that I did a website for was Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle, which was a big, a big uh, comedy show place here in Michigan, but also as far as the whole Midwest goes. And they had comedy classes. So I knew these things existed. So when people were like, oh, you're funny. And like, and then like you just, you, so I said, oh, well, I guess I could do this. And so I went and I took this writing class at the Comedy Castle. And I'm sure anyone listening, their comedy clubs have something similar in the area. And they kind of just taught you how to write for the stage. And then you got on stage and you practiced being on stage. And at the end, you did seven minutes, you know, a routine. Everyone did seven minutes. And that's, I just never looked back. I just never stopped doing it. It just kept going and going and going. So. Well, before, before I ask uh, what your first experience on stage was, uh, you had mentioned you had uh, helped founded a, uh, uh, a company. Would that happen to be uh, the hashtag Roundup? Uh, I did found that company as well. That was later. That was kind of building on my obsession with Twitter. <laughs> In the late 90s, I was a web developer. So you know, we were kind of building web pages for tons of uh, different companies in the area. And we, we were acquired and we got uh, we were part of this IPO and it was, it was fun. It was, it was a good ride. And then uh, if you're, anyone familiar with technology history, then there was a dot-com bust and everything, everything went to hell, but for a while it was, it was a good time. And so um, later when I got obsessed with Twitter and these things called hashtag games, which are like hashtag events, which the hashtag itself sets up a premise you know, found hashtag found in the secondhand store, you know, or right. hashtag marriage in three words, something where you read it and you know how to react to it. You know, this is something I can add to. And so I sort of became obsessed with that and I built an app. And so if you download the hashtag roundup app or you follow us on Twitter at hashtag roundup, then every like hour or so there's a new brand new hashtag. And I don't mean like Monday motivation. I mean, these are like original hashtags <laughs> that are fun, you know, so it, all different kinds of topics. If you don't like one, you just rant. That was one we were using for a while. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, so, people don't understand what it was. That's why I never took off, but yeah. <laughs> hashtag ramble rant. It was mostly because most of us could sit down and just bullshit for hours on end about absolutely nothing. <laughs> so, um, all right, great. Well, again, I guess before I go to the, uh, go to the uh, first experience on stage, I'm curious about this obsession with Twitter. You kind of have my curiosity because I'll be honest with you. I, you know, because of the podcasting and everything else, I obviously I deal with the social medias like everybody else, but outside of like Facebook, I hate interacting on Instagram, interacting on Twitter. I don't get the appeal. So I'm curious what's, what, what's got you obsessed with Twitter. So I used to be obsessed with Facebook. Like you, I was once just like you. 
Actually, the only one I was ever obsessed with was MySpace, and I'd love to go back to oh, it. <laughs> I, got, I got a funny MySpace story. So there was a, uh, <laughs> so on, on MySpace, you know, you had your top eight, right? And like, when you had MySpace, I feel like you were always obsessed. Like anyone you bumped into, you would rush to MySpace and see if they talked about you. Like, hey, I just saw Jeff, you know, that kind of, anyway, so uh, in the comedy world, there was this guy, and I'm totally blanking on his name right now, but uh, he got arrested oh, no. for uh, soliciting a 14 year old for sex. And so he was on, like, he was like top news in Michigan, at least. He was, you know, big news in Michigan. And then when they, and they showed his MySpace page, I was in his top eight. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's one of those hide. <laughs> yeah, that was that. Now that I'm not the most proud of that story, but it is, it is, uh, it is an actual story. So, uh, wait, what was the other? Oh, oh, obsession. So I was obsessed with Facebook, and, you know, and I would post, and then your friends would be like, uh, "Oh, you're funny," you know. You bump into them at a restaurant. Oh, I love reading your stuff. You're so funny. And then, but they don't like. They wouldn't like it. You know, what I mean, I I have a real problem with. Anyway, so you know, but they they were reading it, but not engaging with it. And there's no there's no rush from that. You know what I mean? Me bumping into you randomly at Kroger. So you can tell me you liked a post from three weeks ago isn't doing it, you know. But so I bumped into a friend of mine and he was really into Twitter. And he's like, Jeff, you should go on Twitter because on Twitter, more people can see you on Facebook. You're just talking to your friends and family. There's no, there's no scope. It's not any broader than that. And so I started going on Twitter. And, and so I would tweet and tweet and tweet. And I, I started getting picked up in like publications. My friend was once in Times Square and my tweet was in Times Square, you know, it was just on one of the news things. And he's like, and I like, I've been in, I've been right on Good Morning America and news broadcast, you know, just all these things. Cause I would tweet into conversations and stuff like that. And so, just you know, I, so Twitter itself right. has, it has a much broader reach than Facebook and Facebook, Facebook to me, like, especially with the, the, podcasting you know when i started the jeff dwaskin show my podcast that was pretty good right i just slipped that in and um but i'm sure you know i can post on facebook not to talk about politics or anything but i can post wear a mask right and i'll get a hundred likes a hundred likes okay if i post here's my episode of the newest episode of the jeff dwaskin show which obviously is my show because I put my name on it to make it right. perfectly clear. <laughs> and uh, it's not like I'm doing it for an organization. This is me. I've done, you know, in the con- subcontext of me putting that out there is, Hey, this is something very special to me and I'm now sharing it with you. And I get zero likes, oh. <laughs> like nothing. It's like, it's, I don't know if you get to get the same thing, like, but it's just like, All the time. To, All you the know, time. and so it's, it's so frustrating. So it's like Twitter to me is just, it's much, I don't know it's it's just much freer. You can get you can get noticed by more people, and I've actually you know the bunch of guests I've gotten I've just you know pick, you know picked up as followers over the years you know so I reach out to them you know on Twitter and stuff like that. Hey you know they don't always say yes but sometimes they do, and you know so when I was writing for the Huff Post and stuff like that I got verified on Twitter so I got the blue check mark so that, that's one of the reasons I still like it. I like Instagram. I want to figure it out. I, I, I post on there. I'm, I'm getting better at Instagram. Stories, I think, is key versus posting on Facebook also. I think more people look at that than the other stuff. Mm, but, right. uh, 
So but, yeah. when, you were, when you were interacting and first building your, your fan base on Twitter, what, what were you posting or, or replying to? Were you just doing random jokes or were you just getting involved in other conversations just to get, you know, n- known by other people because you were interacting with other topics of conversation? I would post, I would post jokes. I'd, I'd try and be funny. Um, I, I'm more, I'm too focused right now on the hashtags. I should do both and, and just be tweeting normal stuff too. But, but back then I would, I would just tweet and try and be funny and, you know, I just got a couple of people's attentions. And then I realized, you know, it's about, it's about retweeting other people. People get, especially comics really caught up on their timeline being just them because they think it has to be just them. But more, few people go to actually your page, you know, mm-hmm. most people see it in the feed or when someone else shares it. So the best way to gain momentum is to, um, is to share and retweet other people. The, the mistake that most people make when they get on like Twitter specifically is they think, Oh, I should just be doing just as good as, as him, you know, or somebody else who's put in the time for months and months and months and months. Right. You know, if you, if you look back at my tweets from 2012, they probably all have zero <laughs> likes and zero retweets, <laughs> you know? So, you know, some hit big, some don't, but you know, it's, it's nobody owes you anything. And most of the time the people that complain, you know, they're not sharing anyone's stuff. There's, there's certain patterns and then people can get real negative and stuff like that. Mm. See, part of the reason I uh, I avoid Twitter is because, uh, you know, like I'll share I'll share the podcast obviously on Twitter, but I don't really socially interact because all the people that I follow, for example, like Mark Hamill, uh, Ron Perlman, stuff like that, uh, actors, actresses, uh, musicians, whatever. If it's not political, it's porn. That's all I see on Twitter. It's either fuck Trump or somebody's getting fucked. I, that's all it is. So, you know, that, that's why I, I rarely use Twitter except for promotion of, of you know, the network here and uh, kind of just, you know, sit in my little Facebook corner. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen the porn as much as you, so maybe I'm following the wrong people. But the, uh, but I mean, but it is, I mean, in, in all fairness to your other comment, though, it is heavily political now. It's just, it's impossible not to be, right, for it not to be. They, Twitter so embraces Donald Trump's tweets and, you know, and, the, you know, and just all these things. So it's sort of, it's gotten out of hand. Between that and K-pop, sometimes there's this nothing you know you can get lost well k-pop could be considered ear porn <laughs> i just i just mean like you know not just, good porn just ear porn <laughs> <laughs> so anyway back to the comedy uh your first ever experience up on stage did you already have a routine did you know the type of material you were going to use or was it just kind of uh for lack of better term here as my chair decides to pop on me The following is an important message from the Nurses Guild of Florida. We know COVID has many scared. Many of our seniors are even afraid to go to the doctors. Just the thought of being exposed to all the people in the waiting room, in addition to the doctor's staff, is a risk many don't want to take right now. However, putting off health care makes most conditions worse. The Nurses Guild has the solution. 
one that exposes you to just one person. Call your doctor's office and have them order a nursing assessment from the Nurses Guild. We are a five-star Medicare home health agency. Your registered nurse in full PPE will perform a full head-to-toe assessment, vital signs and medication review, pulse oximetry, even an EKG if needed. Lab work and x-rays can also be done at home. Our registered nurse will discuss all of this strictly and directly with your doctor and get you results. All of our nurses and home health aides are fully screened, supervised, and COVID tested. Call the Nurses Guild today to arrange your home health visit at 954-596-9806 in Broward County and 561-826-8937 in Palm Beach County. Remember, health care put off is health care too late. Stay safe during the pandemic. Wear a mask and insist those around you wear a mask, wash your hands frequently, and stay home as much as possible. Um, for lack of a better term here, just throwing spaghetti at a wall and seeing what's stuck. Well, you know, I did, I took a, a writing class and the, the goal of it was to get on stage. So you kind of work through the material. A lot of it was, um, I think I had like a, I think I had a porn joke. I think I had a weight joke. I, you know, like there was different things, you know, just I think when you're starting out, you don't know exactly who you are. You're just trying to figure out how to be on stage. I think part of the, the evolution is, is recognizing how to get laughs and then you can start to adjust quickly, you know, your voice and which focus you, you want to do. I mean, I was working with this comedian, Mary Ellen Hooper, and she, she said to me, she, you know, Jeff, you're like, you're the frustrated father. You and then you, you she lists off all these other jokes that I had. You know, making fun of this sign and you know all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. She's like, just get rid of all of that. I go, just focus on family stuff. And so you know, so that you know that helped. And then I did. I got rid of all the generic stuff. And I think you'll you'll hear people say, you know, if if you don't want people stealing your jokes, just talk about things that are so unique to you or in a way so unique to you that you know they can't steal it you know like i tell you everyone talks about having babies and stuff but you know i think like i have a birth routine i think it's pretty unique to me or at least you know someone no one would have had that same thought you know <laughs> and like i'm pretty confident you know stuff like that you know like so it's it's a matter of putting your own experiences into something and then it becomes yours that's why I named my show the Jeff Dewaskin show, you know, because you can name it something else. It originally was called something else. And then, you know, someone can take a name similar to that. You know, I went to somebody who shared me uh, the name of their podcast today. And I went to search it and 15 other podcasts with a similar name came up and I couldn't even find this guy's podcast. I knew it was there because I found it a different way, but it's like, so even if you're like the name of what you're doing is not unique, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard to, to find it. He's talking about me, guys. No. <laughs> now, no. You bring up a great question, something I've always wondered with, uh, with comedians, especially when they de- delve into their personal lives and for their comedy. Uh, being the frustrated father and, and playing the role uh, on stage of, you know, the husband who complains about things the wife does or says, or, you know, the daughter did that particular day. Have you ever found your routine uh, to, to where you come home and, and – your wife and daughter are standing there, arms crossed, like really, you had to tell that story like how how often does it does it uh negatively affect your your personal life 
Never. Uh, one, my kids have never seen it. Well, now they, they've seen some on YouTube once they discovered YouTube and stuff like that. But um, my wife just knows because the, the reality is that's on stage Jeff, right? So that's, it's a different version of the real world. So it's not, it's not me literally talking about my wife. It's a fictional version of my wife. That's 70% my wife and 30% made to be entertaining for the audience as well. So any story that I have, you know, is, is, is rooted in truth, but then exaggerated so that it's, it's entertaining and fun to hear. You know, so there's there's threads of it, and the the only the negative part is like when my wife would come to a show and she'd be sitting with friends, <laughs> and and my friends and they hear it through a different lens, than you know than my wife understands it to be, and they get uncomfortable sitting in front of her, you know. So sometimes like like she if like friends would come to a show and she'd be at the show, she won't even sit with them. You know what I mean? So <laughs> because there's different realities, and the, the the people who don't know me at all are experiencing the reality I want them to experience. You know what I mean? And the people who know me are hearing it. They're going to hear it differently no matter what, because they know me. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, we've had dinner together. (laughs) I was on the opposite end of the coin though. Is there any particular topics of conversation that you do on, uh, or that you would set up to do when you're writing your jokes and all that? And, and like your family would turn around and be like, no, you can't tell that story. Like, is there some, is there some areas where like the family's like, look, that one's private. You can't turn that into a joke. You know? <laughs> well, no, because you know, sometimes like scenarios, like one, I don't know that people would know. I, w- I would never translate. First of all, real life, I don't think translates hundred percent funny. So it has to be changed. I think, right. uh, you know, cause Real life is too long. Real life is, is boring. Real life has too many characters. You know what I mean? So it's like you have to really tighten that narrative. You know, so it, it becomes like the basis of the story, but it's not really necessarily the story. And then a lot of times these things get meshed into other stories as well, or you you kind of combine experiences into one story to make them a little um, more impactful. So there's never like that, that scenario, at least for me. I mean, other people might get up there and talk about, you know, like when you watch Ms. Maisel and uh, you get the impression that, you know, oh, this is what I did today. And everyone's laughing. That's not gonna, no one could get up and just talk like that. <laughs> and, and the whole audience is laughing the first time you, you said something like that. It just, it just doesn't happen that way. But. All right, well, uh, moving on from, from the comedy here, uh, I, as you've mentioned numerous times, you have your own podcast. What inspired you to want to turn around and step into this uh, world of filth and disease? <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, it's like, it, I tell you, it turned out to be a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. Um, that I'll tell you. But So I, I was originally going to do it a few years ago, and then I got lazy and I finally, when COVID hit, I decided, all right, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to do it. And, you know, originally it was, it was a few years ago. It was, it was a podcast. It was going to be about social media. A lot of the stuff we talked about earlier, I was just going to focus on tips and how to go viral. It was going to be called Viral Intentions. And 
it was a whole thing. I had the intro, the outro, everything ready to go. I bought all the equipment, sat on my desk for a good two, two and a half years before my wife made me put it away because <laughs> I never did it. And it off the dining room table. I know, exactly. <laughs> and then so like in, you know, March, I pull it all out, you know, because everyone's now I'm at home, everyone's working from home. And, and it's like, oh my God, it might not be the best time to start a podcast called Viral Intentions, <laughs> you know, so with the, the pandemic. So you know, I changed it to the Jeff Dwoskin show, read it at the beginning, read it at the end, kind of changed it, made it more about probably more, probably the reason that I hadn't been doing it was I probably just wasn't as passionate about that particular topic as I thought I was. It's still a piece of it. Social media and trends, comedy, that kind of stuff. It's all in there. So I, th I just thought it was fun. I was going to be able to just talk to people. I, that's what I found like is the greatest thing is I'm able to reach back to people I haven't talked to in a very long time. And oh yeah, I'll be on your podcast. You know, you get to connect with them again for, uh, you know, hour or so. And like, and then, you know, but then the whole producing of it and all that kind of stuff. And I do stuff in the beginning. That's not the, the interview. And then I do stuff at the end and making sure everything sounds right. <laughs> it's like, I'm very OCD when it comes to like, I don't like, I don't like clicks. I know. Sorry, I didn't put that in your show. But like the, uh, but you know, they don't like those things. And then like people wear the, they don't use the right mic and they don't use headphones. You get the reverb and it like I kill, I hate it. And like, or they'll hit their mic and like <laughs> it makes this noise. And, and then I guys find myself editing everything out. I'm sorry. No, um, <laughs> um, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. I always try to tell people when they're getting into podcasting. They're like, oh, it's so simple, or you know, that they know I'm a podcaster. Oh, it's so simple. You just sit and talk to people. I'm like, you have no idea the work. Sitting and talking to somebody for a half an hour, that's the easy part. Yeah, the editing, the releasing, the promoting, the 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 uh, sharing it out. That's the real work. <laughs> yeah. And I find like you have to like make it so it's you know, it's one thing when you're watching something live. You don't, you, if somebody hits a mic or whatever, you don't even notice it. It's just live. But like when you're listening to it and it's like, oh, this was audio meant for me to hear and something's wrong with it. It just, that to me is just so much more noticeable. And so you have to like be a little more obsessive with it. Right. You know, I'm getting better at it, you know, figuring it, trying to figure it out. But, uh, you know, but that's, that's where I kind of, like I was in, I was editing an interview. Okay. And I realized people take subtle deep breaths when they in between and you can hear it like when you're wearing headphones, like they'll be going just real subtle though. That was like a little exaggerated, but, and I took all those out <laughs> and it cut four minutes. Oh, wow. Really? Okay. Yeah. And it was just like, so you can imagine like how much that weighs on people's ears. You want them to hear it. You know, I want to get through it, you know? So it's, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, but it's fun. I mean, the, the other, the other, I guess, not negative thing is, but like, I think I have like 30 some interviews in the can, you know what I mean? I only do one a week, you know? I didn't realize that it, were, it was so everyone, you know, just doing it and like, you can't be like, Hey, can we inter I interview you in two months? Cause something's going to happen. You know, you got to get people in and, you know, if you can get them in. Right. And so, you know, I have all these interviews. So now I got to figure out who to even release this week and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I, one of the things I found when I, when I started podcasting, especially, was my own particular quirks uh, that I never realized I had until listening to playbacks as, as I'm editing or whatever else and, and realizing, good God, I actually do that. Whether it's an um or in my case, uh, especially, was that I would turn around and constantly use the phrase, 
stuff of that nature. And that phrase was so bad in the beginning parts of, of my podcast and career that I literally told people you could have a drinking game with it and probably wind up shit faced drunk at the end of it. Did you find that when you started doing yours that you had like a tick or a, a, a catchphrase that you didn't intend that just naturally slipped out of your mouth as you were recording? I find myself like when somebody's talking, 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 and I'm trying to then transition when they stop and I want to transition it to another question, I'll be like, that's amazing. And I'm always, I always just like, I feel like I almost have to write down transitions. <laughs> just, <laughs> just so I can like, cause of the ones that come off the top of my head, it's always, that's amazing. You know, <laughs> like sometimes now though, when I'm doing a podcast, I'll think, I'll think in editing mode. So if I catch myself going, that's amazing. I'll just say something else. Right. I go, oh, that's a good, I love that story. You know, like knowing now I'm just going to cut out that that's amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, you know, sometimes like if I'm doing stuff, I'll like, I'll stop and I'll just, I'll subtly just repeat something or say it twice because I know I screwed it up and then I can edit myself out. I make myself sound really good. <laughs> there you go. See, I, I haven't figured out that editing part yet. So all those uh, stuff of that nature's are in the shows, guys. If you need to get drunk on a Friday night, go hit season two of breaking the fourth wall. I promise you, you'll be drunk by the end of the first episode. <laughs> yeah. You'll be drunk on water. That's how, that's how bad it is. Um, no, but you know, um, so yeah, I mean, as far as the podcasting is concerned, was it something that you were always intending to do or was it something like you said, because of COVID and all that, that it was just t finally like, you know what? I need to get this. I need an outlet to get this out of me. My, my, performance out of me let's go ahead and try this you know like what what led you to the road of podcasting in general i wanted to just create something that kind of had my voice in it and not my voice i mean my voice not my voice <laughs> well i guess it's both but you know what I, mean? I i wanted to create something that kind of captured my humor but was accessible to anyone not people who came to the show or not you know people are like oh you've got great timing oh you've got a great you know rhythm i like i love hearing you know so i wanted to create that so it's like that's why i do a bunch of stuff up front it's only like five minutes i don't i don't do a lot i, I realized right away i don't want this to be about me it's it's my show but i don't want it to be about me just enough you know right. you just need a little bit at the beginning a little bit at the end have some fun with the guests in the middle and and then you know, that's, that's about it. I mean, I'm much lower key <laughs> during the interview than I am in the beginning and the end. Cause I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not trying to overpower my, my guest either. Like the best compliment I got is from somebody who was like, Hey, listen to Jeff show. He actually lets them talk. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like some people like try to, like I do the research so I know it, not so I can say it. Right. right. So, you know, and I find some people are like, they want to go like, oh, Chris, yeah, I read that you started breaking the fourth wall because your parents were in the Himalayas and they'll go on for five minutes. And then, create, then you, the guest goes, yeah, that's right. Like, you know what? I would have rather heard you say it yeah. <laughs> than, than, the, than the guest showing off that he did research. You know what I mean? It was like, I was interviewing uh, Craig Shoemaker and he was, it was just a conversation. It was kind of a conversation. When you talk to comedians, it's more, conversation that it is than it is uh an interview 
And he has a, a very cool laughter heals organization. So he starts to talk about that. And he goes, did you even know I had that, Jeff? I go, yeah, you found it in 2014. <laughs> go ahead. Tell <laughs> us all about it. <laughs> you know, because I had it right there in my notes, you know, but it was just like, you know, it's just so you can kind of have the conversation and kind of go with it and kind of, you know, fill it in. Because sometimes they'll forget their own details. And you go, when did I start that? 2014? Yeah. You know, you're like, just so it's, you're there to more of assist than, <laughs> right. than get it out. So that, that to me, I, I did that was when we talked about podcasting, that part is the part that I didn't anticipate. I thought I would just go into the interviews and I realized, oh my God, I find myself reading books now. I mean, like if they wrote a book, I'll read the book. Right. I find myself watching movies. <laughs> so a lot of time goes into just the 30 minutes I'm going to spend with that person, you know, just to make sure that it's is the best and they feel as good as they can. So. Oh, you, you do have to do that. I, I interviewed uh, uh, Carl Gottlieb, uh, who obviously connected with Jaws and all that. And he wrote a book called The Jaws Log. And I knew about the book, but I never read the book when I interviewed him. And the first thing he said to me is, well, did you read the book? No, <laughs> you feel stupid afterwards. Like, no, I, I have it on order. It's coming, but I haven't read it yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, so you're right. You got to do so much research for people, even if you're never going to use the material that you researched in the interview, just so that way, like you said, you're prepared in that, in that instance of like, yeah, I was in this movie. Can't remember the name of it. Oh, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, that's the one. You know what I mean? Like you said, uh, but I, I got to ask you, how the hell did you know my inspiration for starting breaking the fourth wall? How did you know my parents were in the Himalayas and my father's <laughs> glass eye fell out in my uh, mother's jambalaya? And I said, you know what? Podcast. It's on your Wikipedia page. <laughs> I have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, obviously you've been you've been going strong you obviously been doing it straight on i'm curious about one particular thing though especially with like you mentioned with the covid a lot of musicians and stand-up comedians and all that started doing the the streaming sets i guess you can call for lack of better term is this something that you thought about doing or have done or is that something like you just kind of lose the element because you don't have the crowd physically in front of you i think the people that do it god bless them the people need to laugh. It's just not my, it wasn't my thing. So I just moved into this and I wanted to like, I wanted to be able to more control. Zoom, you can't control, right? It's, it's, it's the worst part about comedy to me is like you can't hear or interact with the audience. So to me, that's, I don't like that. So now podcasting, you could say, oh, it's the same thing with podcasting, Jeff. <laughs> yes, but I'm very meticulously controlling that product it's not randomly live and whatever i can get out correctly or not correctly at that time it's very specifically here's my product and now i'm going to put it out into the world and so i'm much more i'm much more comfortable and, and happy to only do that moving forward so well right on now i'm just curious if that was something you did or no. you thought about it um Overall, great, I mean, a great question. It was a great question. Well, thank you. Thank you. Was, <laughs> <there> you go. <laughs> well, why don't you go ahead and let everybody know where they can find the Jeff Dwoskin uh, uh, podcasts and, you know, social medias, if they have any questions that I didn't ask or uh, catch any of your shows, you know, especially, do you have any shows coming up? Is there any word on when you can get back to uh, being on stage? 
I have no shows coming up. Uh, I was asked and I turned them down. I'm just not ready to go into clubs and breathe into other people's microphones. Uh, <laughs> it's just, just where I'm at mentally. Uh, God bless anyone who wants to. It's just, just where I'm at. So I, I'm focused on the podcast. Uh, you can find the podcast at jeffdwaskinshow.com. If you can't spell Dwaskin, you can type in jeffisfunny.com. Gets you to the same place. <laughs> and, uh, and then on Twitter and Instagram, at Jeff Dwaskin Show. So at some point, you're going to have to learn how to spell it if you want to keep up. <laughs> or you can, it's all in the description. I promise it'll be Yeah, there. all right. And then Big Macher is my personal if you want to follow me there, which just go to the show notes. <laughs> you're not going to spell that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on here. I wish you nothing but continued success. And uh, we'll have to have you back on maybe on the weekly show, which is our uh, kind of our Seinfeld show where we just sit around and uh, do segments of funny stuff, like reading weird news podcast or uh, news reports or whatever else. And uh, some random topic of conversation. I think you'd fit right in with your, with your comedy, especially because one of our co-hosts is uh, another comedian, Mr. Don Smith. Don Smith. Don Smith. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I would, that sounds amazing. And I would love to do that. It's been a pleasure breaking the fourth wall with you. Yes, we broke the fourth <laughs> wall. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode in any capacity, hit that thumbs up button. Like, share, comment, subscribe. Check out all the other great podcasts of Roman Miss Entertainment. If you prefer them in audio-only format, just look up Roman Miss Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. I definitely want to thank our sponsor, the Nurses Guild. You probably already got annoyed by their commercial. If you did, if you have family members who need at-home nursing care, please give them a call. They'll help you out. And, of course, guys, thank you for joining me, and I will catch you on the next Breaking the Fourth Wall. Have a good night.